Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg on WHMP. Welcome to the show. I'm Bill Newman. And I'm Buzz Eisenberg. And we have with us in the studio today Leslie Newman, who is, of course, the award-winning poet and author, and Sheila Heffernan, who is the musical director of the Western Massachusetts based Decamera Singers, and John Solens, Solens, who is a member of the Decamera Singers, and they are with us because we want you to know about an event, a creative event, a moving event, an important event that will be occurring at the Greenfield High School Sunday, May 21st at 4 o'clock, considering Matthew Shepard. Let me turn first, if I might, to Leslie Newman, because her collection of poems about Matthew Shepard, October Morning, is one of the most moving collections of poems I've ever read. You can't put it down. It's one piece of just moving art after the next. And you are featured in this... Well, tell us what it is. There's a word that describes this creative artistic event, and I actually didn't know it till I read it, and I'm, and I'm so happy to be a part of it. So let me start with Leslie and Newman. What is this event, this artistic endeavor, considering Matthew Shepard? An oratorio? Yes, it's actually a fusion oratorio, and I have to say I had to look it up too when I first heard of it. I feel better. <laughs> so basically the whole thing began with some poems from October Morning, a song from Matthew Shepard. Craig Heller Johnson, who is a Grammy award-winning composer, um, contacted me and said he wanted to set the poems that are told from the point of view of the fence to music, and I thought that was a very interesting idea, so he did that, and then it grew into a passion play, really, with um, musical styles ranging from Broadway show tunes, country music, to Gregorian chants, with poems by me, uh, William Blake, um, excerpts from Matt's journals, uh, Dennis Shepard's testimony in court, and it's, it's a concert, but it's really more a deep, deep, deep emotional experience. Tell our listeners why Matthew Shepard and this story of his murder resonates so much with so many people so many years later. You know, that's a really interesting question. I have told the story of Matt's murder, how he was kidnapped from a bar, robbed, beaten, tied to a fence, and abandoned, all because he was gay. No other reason. Um, And people who remember that time, um, and people who aren't even born yet, just their eyes well, they cry, they feel a renewed commitment to do something to stop this kind of hatred. And, you know, I'm not sure why his murder, as opposed to all the other murders that have happened, um, but it's just a very compelling story. Well, in some ways, and this is a little bit misplaced, but in some ways, the story of Matthew Shepard I find so moving because it's the story of one person in one place at one moment, actually more than one moment because it went on for hours when he was tied to the fence and left to die. It's not a mass murder where you can't remember all the names. It's one person who was targeted to be tortured and murdered because he was gay. And the ability to look at that fence and say, they did what? Those people did what to this person here? I think there's something about that imagery, and I think there's something that you capture in your collection, October Morning, a song for Matthew Shepard, where you tell the story of the murder from the perspective of many, many individuals and objects, but 
the one that's I think perhaps the most moving may be the one that's from the perspective of the fence. So, you know, the fence became an iconic symbol. And as a poet, I just thought, what does the fence have to say? The fence had a life before this horrendous incident. The fence had a life after. And the fence was a witness and an unwilling accessory to the crime, right? So that is why I wanted to give voice to the fence. But I think the other thing that's really compelling are uh, Matt's parents, Dennis and Judy, who are the kindest people I know, who two months after their son's murder started the Matthew Shepard Foundation, whose mission is to erase hate. And that foundation is still going very strongly 25 years later. They never thought this foundation would be needed for all this time, um, but is needed more than ever now. Let me turn, if I might, from Leslie Newman to Sheila Heffernan, who is the musical director of the Decamera Singers, Considering Matthew Shepard, 4 o'clock Sunday, May 21st, at the Greenfield High School. Tell us a bit more of what the theatrical production is, what the music is, how it comes together. What are we going to see when we're there, please? You're going to experience, I think is the best word. You're going to hear, you're going to see, but you're going to experience as well as uh, um, musical. Uh, it's not just music. You're feeling, you're responding, you're hearing. The presentation that Craig Kelly Johnson did, as Leslie has said, is partly based on the concept of a of the passions that used to be written that were written by uh, Bach and used to be performed all around at Easter time, which tell the life of the persecution and execution of Jesus from the New Testament. Uh, one of the things I think that Craig Kelly Johnson's reflecting here is that Craig, uh, Matthew Shepard became an iconic figure. He became a a representation, a figure, uh, sort of a savior figure for people who were trying to deal with hate and figure out how to um, confront it. So when you come, you're going to experience lots of different musical kinds of uh, genre. There's something for everybody. You're going to hear narrators such as yourself telling the story that's taken from news clippings and you're going to hear in the songs that are sung, as Lizia had said, some of Matt's own words, some of his own poetry describing himself. Um, you're going to experience being welcomed into the space to listen. One of his wonderful songs is um, We Tell Each Other Stories, even ones that are hard to remember. And at the end of that, the singers are saying, listen all and imploring you to be open. You're going to hear the story. You're going to experience it through the very emotional music. And then you're going to Go deep into a dive where you even have to examine the humanity of Russell Henderson and Aaron McKinney. Who are? The, the two men who murdered Matt Shepard. Um, in a very amazing and emotional and unusual piece of choral music called I Am Like You, where you're hearing the inner dialogue of, of any person trying to examine how could this have happened. And instead of just hating those two men, which would be similar to them hating Matt because he's gay, you're forced to really listen and think these are two human beings who looked at the sunrise and the sunset just as I did and the stars at night and have emotions. And we all have that capability in us maybe to think about hatred. And what's really important is that we find a way to struggle with it and come to the other side, which is what the music and the texts help us do. So we come to a place of forgiveness we come to a place where we can find the space to understand we're part of a larger community and that being in that community, being all, 
All is a very important word in this oratorio. He sets it many, many times. And there is a grand, fabulous gospel song towards the end called All of Us, where the joy of understanding that when we come together, we can support each other to find our way to be community. So considering Matthew Shepard tells the story of Matthew Shepard, but it also sounds very much like Leslie Newman's collection of October Morning, which is telling the story from different perspectives. Many different perspectives, yes. Before, before we turn to, to uh, John Solons, I would like to ask you to tell us a little bit, if you would please, about the Decamera Singers. You are the musical director. What is the group? The group, uh, we are in our 49th season. Next year we'll mm -hmm. be celebrating 50 years together. It was started by a group of people in the Amherst and Northampton area who wanted to sing madrigals together 49 years ago. And then they decided that they were enjoying being together and they asked Ann Kearns, who was the director of choral music at Hampshire College at the time, to come on board. And since then um, has been a group that's been focused on singing music primarily in the Renaissance and uh, Baroque eras, but has broadened in the last 20 years to singing music and also of commissioning brand new music from local composers. And how did Considering Matthew Shepard come to you? How it came to DeCamera Singers? Yes. And, um, it came to DeCamera Singers because I heard part of it one afternoon in, in probably the year 2018 and was so amazed that I went to find the source and then sat and listened to the entire, uh, Craig Heller Johnson's recording had just won the Grammy, so I sat and listened to the entire piece and thought, we have to do this piece of music, we have to share the story. So we started this in 2020, and in March of 2020, we had to shut down. We were going to perform it in June of 2020, but the pandemic happened and we had to stop singing together. So we're finally doing it now. One of the singers, John Solons, you're a member of the Decamera Singers. How do you, how did you become involved with this group? How long have you been involved? What's your musical background? I became involved with uh, Decamera Singers almost at the beginning. I lived out fifty years ago. Yeah, that's correct. I'm sorry. No, you're kidding. It's absolutely <laughs> true. Um, John, I, John, we should reveal is 171 <laughs> years old, but he is a remarkable, remarkable gate. He's going to get up and sing, yeah. and, he's brought I, in, he's, and he's brought into the studio the largest keyboard that's ever been in here. We had some pretty, <laughs> and we've had some pretty big keyboards. John. Yeah, thank you. Um, I uh, no, I uh, lived in the valley in the 1970s and uh, worked at WFCR, um, and. Um, found out about DeCamera Singers because I was someone who liked singing madrigals and some people that I knew were in it. So although I was not a founding member, I was pretty close. It was still only 16 voices when I started. Um, we're now, what, 45, mm -hmm. thereabouts. 45 uh, members? 45 members, of yeah. The chorus? Is of that the chorus. It? Okay. Um, then uh, I uh, moved away for work and uh, came back seven years ago, and one of my first calls was to Sheila say, I'm here, I'm, a, I'm an ex-decamerite, and uh, I'd love to come back in. Welcome back. So, <laughs> uh, so um, that, was, uh, that was wonderful, and uh, so I've been with the group ever since. And you have with you, and us in the studio today, a keyboard, you play and you sing. What, what other instruments or what instruments accompany the chorus when you perform, when decamera singers performs? Well, for this particular piece, it's an unusual ensemble of... Uh, 
and you'll help me here, Sheila, cello, violin, guitar, percussion, which includes marimba, um, piano. Viola and clarinet. Viola and clarinet. So it's interesting because of the many different styles of music that are expressed throughout the piece. Um, It's got a little bit of a jazz combo, and it's got a classical you know, sound as well as a guitar, which can do a bunch of different things, include play blues, which is one of the big moments of the piece. What are you going to play for us this morning? Well, we have, um, and Sheila will do the playing. I'll just do, some, do the singing. Um, since most of the work is choral, we just have a short excerpt, but the, uh, the very beginning of the piece is kind of an, exemp- an example of what we're talking about because it begins with very familiar music from Johann Sebastian Bach that most people may will, will recognize whether they know what it's called or not. She and then immediately turns to something else, which you'll hear. Okay. We're going to do that immediately after this break. We're going to hear you and Sheila perform. Sheila, before we take this break, tell people where they can get tickets. Again, this is for Sunday, May 21st, 4 o'clock at the Greenfield High School, considering Matthew Shepard's tickets. The camera always opens all its concerts to everybody for free. We want everyone to come. You do not need a ticket. You can come to the door. Um, We are, for people who are able to, asking for donations. We are supporting the Matthew Shepard Foundation. So we'll be, the benefits will, the money will go to the Matthew Shepard Foundation. But all you have to do is come to the auditorium and take a seat. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. What's cooking at River Valley Co-op? Here's avid eater, grocery shopper, and co-op member Bill Newman. Local farms are welcoming spring to the co-op. Asparagus popping up and ready to eat in bunches. In the co-op meat department, local chicken from Reed Farm, house-made brats and sausage, everything to kick off grilling season. In the co-op cheese department, welcome the maple season with maple-washed Willoughby, a delicious local cheese washed with Vermont maple liqueur. River Valley Co-op, wild about local. Everyone is welcome. The Daily Hampshire Gazette, the Pioneer Valley's newspaper covering Holyoke to Deerfield and Belchertown to the Hilltowns, was awarded New England Newspaper of the Year for their local news coverage. Home delivered six days a week and online 24-7. Try their digital-only subscription options and stay connected with your community wherever you are. Pick up a copy on newsstands, subscribe, or visit gazettenet.com. The Daily Hampshire Gazette, covering the Pioneer Valley since 1786. What's new at the Waitley Inn? Everything. The Waitley Inn has undergone a stunning transformation with a fresh new look inside and a beautiful wraparound porch with great views and expanded parking area. The only thing that hasn't changed is the menu, offering classic New England fare the Waitley Inn has become famous for. The Waitley Inn is open Wednesday through Saturday starting at 4 p.m. and Sunday from 1 to 7. Pickup is also available with easy online ordering. Visit WaitleyInn.com. Eat greatly at the Waitley. You could be one word away from $1,000. It's a grand in the hand on WHMP. Listen each weekday for the $1,000 keyword at around 815, 1215, and 415. When you hear the keyword, just go to WHMP.com and enter it for a shot at $1,000. You have until midnight to enter the keyword of the day. It's a grand in the hand on WHMP. Complete rules and details on WHMP.com. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. 
WHMP. We continue our conversation with Leslie Newman, who is the award-winning poet, children's book author, and the author of October Morning, a song for Matthew Shepard, and Sheila Heffernan, who is the musical director of the Tacamara Singers, and John Solons, who is a member of the Tacamara Singers. And they are with us today because we want you to know about this oratorio, this concert, this musical and oratorical, I think that's the right word, experience, Sunday, May 21st at 4 o'clock at the Greenfield High School. Tickets are not only available, they're non-existent. You just have to come, and you will do yourself a great favor of being part of this experience. Greenfield High School, Sunday, May 21st at 4 o'clock. Sheila and John, what are you going to perform for us? John? This is just the the very opening of the piece, and it's... uh it begins with one of the preludes from the well-tempered clavier of Bach, which many people will recognize. And then there's just a very short declaration, which I will sing. Um, and this gives you a sense of the interplay of different musical styles that uh, you will have another hour and a half of to, when, to enjoy. When you perform it, yeah. th- this this piece uh, is part of considering Matthew Shepard. Is it... Uh, uh, Sheila on the keyboards, keyboards or piano by herself, or are there other instruments that are part of it? For th- for this piece, it's just piano, right? Uh, oh no, with the strings, um, and then uh, the choir, which we don't have with us, uh, comes in. She'll oh, we're we'll mi- okay. We're we'll missing forty something parts. people. This is <laughs> this is just a fragment. It's it's uh, the construction of this whole thing is is quite complex. So there's only so much that we can do with one voice at a time. Okay. So we'll give you a taste of I the appreciate, opening. I appreciate yeah. that. sings the lone cowboy who with the wild roses wants you to be free. That's it. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I'd love to be able to do what comes next, but it's it starts with women's chorus and then the men join and it goes on from there. What kind of a limited repertoire do you have? Come on. <laughs> you can't do an entire women's chorus as long as that? As well as that. That's, 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 Only one that, at a time. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's it beautiful. Is, it is lovely music. And I was going to say, um, uh, as a singer in this uh, ensemble, there are certain um, aspects of the piece that, that 
stick out to me. One is the size of it. It's 267 pages of choral score. Uh, so as it's kind of like preparing for an extended athletic event. We start with the individual sections and work on them and then begin to knit them together. And it's kind of like being in training for ever since, what, February, um, to get uh, the stamina to do a piece of this size uh, for the course. And, and, and that's been quite, quite fun, actually. The other th second thing is that the, the change of musical styles means that we get to sing different sorts of things, as, as you point out, Bill. Um, and uh, I think for some of us, that's, that's a real treat. You know, I've done rock and roll singing, I've done choral singing, and all kinds of things. But uh, for other people in the group, um, it might be new to try singing gospel in six parts, uh, which is one of the sections of the piece. So that that's makes it really exciting and, and, again, a bit of a challenge to move from one feeling to the next as we move from movement to movement. Most of them are separated by recitations, so there's a chance to kind of catch your breath. And the last thing is the emotional uh, uh, weight of many of the moments of, of this piece. Uh, and I think we, everyone in the chorus has some part of this where you begin to tear up. You just, you, you can't not. And that's another part of our preparation is to go through these things often enough so that you become at peace with your feelings um, while you're performing it so that you can actually sing and not, you know, sob. <laughs> uh, and uh, that's, so that's, those have, have all been um, important aspects of preparing this piece as a member of, of the chorus. And now that we're rehearsing with the instrumentalists, it begins to put all the different kinds of sounds together. And it's really quite, quite marvelous. I suppose we should, I should note, I don't think there's any kind of a conflict, but I do want to make at least, make, do note that I will be one of the narrators. There are others who are? Um, Jill Kaufman is one of the narrators. Uh, John Solens is also doing one of the narrations. Um, and Meta Dial, who is the Director of International Admissions up at Northfield Mount Hermon School, will be one of the narrators as well. Stan Rosenberg? And I beg your pardon. Thanks. I knew I would. And of course, Stan Rosenberg will also be doing. And you, you mentioned Jill Kaufman, our radio colleague. Mm -hmm. So I, I would like to know this. Uh, the, the presentation, the, the story, uh, is one that resonates so deeply, something that we've talked about. I, I'm wondering whether or not putting this story together, this presentation together, whether it has, notwithstanding that the story was so meaningful to all th three of you and all of us before this began, whether putting on this performance, having this score, the, the, you mentioned some 246 pages of score. The, the, the presentation is about, the, the play the, is about an hour and a half. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, whether doing this, having this experience, has affected you in some way. Leslie and Newman, let me start with you because you know the story so well, and yet, well, I'd like to know whether it just reinforces, this experience reinforces what you already knew and felt, or whether it's changed you in some way. 
So, you know, I've seen this performance um, many times, including one performance I attended with Judy Shepard, which, as you can imagine, was very emotional. Um, every time I talk about Matt, which I do very often, you know, traveling around the country to talk about LGBTQ rights, every time I see, considering Matthew Shepard, every time I have an interaction with Judy or Dennis, I just start to cry. Matthew's parents? Matthew's parents, yeah. And it, it just... Every time I think about him or talk about him or experience something about him, it reinforces my commitment to perform tikkun olam, which is a Jewish phrase which translates to repairing the world. And every person at birth is charged with that mission. And you also know that it probably won't um, be fully uh, successful in your lifetime, but that doesn't let you off the hook and you can't do it alone. And so it not only... Um, makes me think about working harder to make the world a better place, but also doing so in community. John Solons? Well, yes. I, I, I was thinking right from the beginning that um, while many of the members of Decemera are old enough to, to you know, recall this incident, there are many, many people around who, who don't and for whom this story will be brand new. And I think that's one of the really powerful aspects of the, of the piece because... My guess is that there'll be folks come in who don't really know what they're in for. And I think that's going to be a very exciting and very um, emotional experience uh, for many. And, of course, the information is available, and the book of poetry uh, very available. Um, so I hope that it spurs people to, uh, to take a look at this story and, and see that despite the years between then and now, uh, we're still very much in the same place, unfortunately. I would just like to follow that, John. Yesterday, uh, Governor DeSantis of Florida passed a bill that prohibits uh, higher education, public higher education institutions in Florida from having as part of their curriculum diversity, equity, and inclusion. And he made these comments about how the liberals are compelling uh, people to uh, study things and agree to things that uh, they don't agree with, such as, he mentioned trans, he mentioned feminism. It was a truly incredible uh, the reversal of dozens of years. So I think, considering Matthew Shepard, it becomes, it, it, it's even, if it's possible to be about more than Matthew Shepard, it's about saying, uh, we are coming, we are going to celebrate the things that we know advance our, us as a people, as a society, as a race, human race. So uh, thank you. Let me leave the last word with uh, Sheila Heffernan, who is the musical director of the Decamera Singers. Again, the Considering Matthew Shepard will be Sunday, will be performed this Sunday, May 21st, 4 o'clock at Greenfield High School. Come. You don't need to have a ticket because there are no tickets. It is free, open to the public you will do yourself a favor by being part of this experience, which I feel, I see it really as part of being part of building and uh, community. Let, let me leave the last word with you, Sheila Heffernan. I, I really appreciate you bringing up what you just said because as I'm listening to Leslie and I'm listening to John and also you, Bill, um, when we were not able to do this in 2020, my thought was, well, I hope we can do it sometime, and I hope it won't be as needed. And it's, frankly, very disparaging and upsetting that it's more urgent now 
than it was three years ago. And um, art is, is, we need to keep doing art to remind people not just about the beauty of the world, but also the ugliness of the world, and that it can, we can find ways to be all of us together, that we do need to come together. And um, if just one person in that audience also sees him or her or themselves and, and feels seen or, and, and understood and loved, then all the work that we've had to do will have been worth it. Considering Matthew Shepard will be performed at the Greenfield High School this Sunday, May 21st at 4 o'clock. Is this one performance? One performance. Don't miss it. We'll see you there. Leslie Newman, Sheila Heffernan, John Solons. And Bill Newman. Thank you. Yes. Thank you all so very much. Break a leg. Thank you for doing this from all of us. We'll be right back. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The Amherst Pelham Regional Public School Committee debated for more than an hour at an emergency meeting last night on whether to meet in private as the district begins its search for an interim superintendent. This comes after the current superintendent, Dr. Michael Morris, announced he would be taking a leave of absence citing health concerns amid allegations of transphobic actions by three counselors and a Title IX investigation. The group ultimately voted to stay in open session, and the conversation will continue at the district school meeting tonight at 5.30 p.m. A Holyoke police captain is currently under investigation by the police department. 22 News reports that Captain Manuel Reyes is being investigated for allegedly performing an unwarranted quarry check on someone who was speaking with his estranged wife. This comes after Reyes was placed on administrative leave last month for a complaint filed through Holyoke District Court alleging he sexually harassed and assaulted a female HPD officer on multiple occasions and sent inappropriate text messages and intimidated her when she objected to advances. Today is the Athol Orange Community Television Foodathon. The event raises tens of thousands of dollars every year for six local food pantries. WHAI's Jay Dean. The pantries tell us every year that the people that come to look for help, it doesn't go down. You know, it goes up. Dean helped found the event in 2004. Money raised during the event will benefit six local food pantries in Athol, Orange, and Wendell, as well as the Franklin County Community Meals Program. Partly to mostly sunny today, breezy, dry weather continues the high brush fire danger. A high of 78 to 82. Chance for a scattered shower tonight, otherwise an overnight low of 40 to 46. Sunny tomorrow, 62 to 66. Low 70s on Thursday. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. This news update in Spanish is brought to you by our friends at Holyoke Media. Yo soy Johan Rashivega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. Un fiscal especial descubrió que el FBI se apresuró a investigar los vínculos entre Rusia y la campaña de 2016 de Donald Trump y se basó demasiado en inteligencia cruda y no confirmada cuando concluyó una investigación de cuatro años que estuvo muy por debajo de la predicción del expresidente de que el crimen del siglo quedaría al descubierto. El informe del lunes del fiscal especial John Durham representa la culminación largamente esperada de una investigación que Trump y sus aliados habían afirmado que expondría las fechorías masivas de los funcionarios encargados de hacer cumplir la ley y de inteligencia. En cambio, la investigación de Durham arrojó resultados decepcionantes, ya que los fiscales obtuvieron una declaración de culpabilidad de un empleado del FBI poco conocido, pero perdieron los únicos dos casos penales que llevaron a juicio. 
En otras informaciones, un Tribunal Federal de Apelaciones de Nueva Orleans suspendió temporalmente el lunes el fallo de un juez federal que anuló una parte de la Ley del Cuidado de Salud a Bajo Precio que exige que la mayoría de las aseguradoras cubran la atención preventiva, incluidas las vacunas y los exámenes de detección de cáncer, diabetes y VIH. Sin comentarios, la Corte de Apelaciones del Quinto Circuito de Estados Unidos emitió una suspensión administrativa del fallo del 30 de marzo emitido por el juez de distrito de Estados Unidos Reed O'Connor de Texas. La administración de Biden había pedido una suspensión cuando apeló la decisión del 30 de marzo. Los abogados de la administración dijeron en documentos judiciales que la decisión de O'Connor afectaría la atención preventiva de 150 millones de personas. La apelación se encuentra en las primeras etapas y la Corte de Apelaciones aún no ha fijado una fecha para los argumentos. Yo soy Johan Rashi Vega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP. This news update in Spanish has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. It's our monthly comedy quiz. I am so happy because this segment makes me happy. Uh, let me turn the microphone over to Maddie Benjamin. Maddie. Thank you so much, Bill, and I am so happy to be here. Welcome to the Happier Valley Comedy Comedy Quiz Show. My name is Maddie Benjamin, Program Manager and Facilitator of Fun at the Happier Valley Comedy Theater and Monthly Nerd in Residence. And I'm here to ask a handful of funny people to answer questions on a subject they know nothing about. I am joined this month by our panelists, Julie Wagner and Scott Braidman. And uh, I think hopping into play with us as contestant number three this morning is Buzz. You feeling uh, ready? I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can wait, Buzz. I'm keeping score. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> well, I hope that you are all prepared. Um, because this month we're going to take it easy. Uh, we are going to imagine we're sitting on the family room floor. We're eating dry cereal in our pajamas uh, because I have a quiz for you on classic cartoons. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Let's hear it. All right. Uh, we are going to get started off with a couple of multiple choice questions. Before we can jump into our favorite Looney Tunes classics, I'm going to ask you about the first cartoon ever made. Uh, it was produced by the quote-unquote father of animation, Emil Cole. Uh, it was 700 hand-drawn images that created this first-ever two-minute cartoon. And do you know what year that happened in? This is a multiple choice. I'll give you a couple options. So A, was it 1908? B, 1915? C, 1899? Or D, 1921? Uh, this is Julie, and I'm going to go with 1921. And I will say 1908. I just have a question. Did they have living rooms invented in 1908? Oh. I'm Oh, sure. Maybe it was the, maybe it was the drawing room yes. or the parlor. Well, I remember. Of course it was the drawing room. These are cartoons. Come on, come on, come on, guys. Get with it. Oh, man. Oh, it's, right, the I'm comedians going the are, The comedians are not making the jokes. Uh, it is <laughs> just Bill making jokes today. Sorry, I'm usually not very animated in the morning. Oh, oh. oh you, Scott, you got two extra points. Good. Well done. <laughs> But he didn't need him uh, because Scott also got the right answer. Uh -huh. It was was called Phantasmagory, and it was created in 1908. Wow. I thought it was Steamboat Willie. 
No, that was a different was one. Much more sophisticated. Yeah. Okay. We should rename this game. Name that tune. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll get to the singing later. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to jump forward in time a little bit. Uh, and I'm going to ask you about one of my favorites, Wild E. Coyote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to know if you know the what Wild E's middle initial E stands for. <laughs> Is it A- Einstein? Is it B, Elmer? Is it C, Ethelbert? Or is it D, Egbert? Oh my goodness. So many good choices. Can we get, can we get <laughs> F, none of the above? Have a none of the above. I'm going to go with Ethelbert just because I like the way it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll go with Egbert. That sounds good to me. And I go with Eisenberg. Ah, <laughs> Eisenberg was uh, not an option, but Ooh. you could still go with Eisenberg. <laughs> Tell you the truth, I always thought it was Wiley, like W-I-L-Y, but I guess not. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's where the, the pun comes from. Uh, so, yes, it is Wile E. Coyote, and it, the E is Wile Ethelbert Coyote. <gasps> <laughs> Julie Wagner, did you walk into that? I did. It was complete luck. <laughs> she she went based on uh, a sense. It was my lucky well, lisp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, moving on to our third multiple choice question. Uh, in 1961, a series of commercials featured fled. Fred Flintstone and his pal Barney extolling the virtues of what product? Was it A, Budweiser, B, Winston's Cigarettes, C, Gordon's Gin, or D, McDonald's Hamburgers? What was the year you said? 1961, just your classic cartoon father figures selling one of these products. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Uh, I, I'm going to go with cigarettes. I'm going to go with Budweiser. I'm going to go with McDonald's. I know I'm keeping score, but I'm going to put my uh, thumb on the scale and go with cigarettes because my guess is that the alcohol was still prohibited from mass advertising. Oh. Therefore, cigarettes are more likely. Wow. Well, uh, I, I love a reasonable, <laughs> logic based logical uh, explanation. Uh, the answer is indeed Winston cigarettes. Wow. Yeah. Right. I'm on fire. <laughs> no, no, Scott, you and I are on fire. Let's, let's, let's share this. I remember Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. I remember that commercial. Right. Yeah, which was Winston tastes good. Like, like a, a cigarette, cigarette should. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. You can even remember the tune. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. I got uh, one more multiple choice for you, and then we'll move into some short answers. Uh, if we are looking at classic cartoons, uh, there are two big production uh, uh, companies that, that produce some of our favorites. We have uh, Looney Tunes, and we have Hanna-Barbera. Uh, so I'm going to name you four uh, cartoons, and I'm going to ask you to tell me which one was not produced by Hanna-Barbera. So is it A, the Jetsons, B, the Smurfs, C, the Alvin Show, or D, Scooby-Doo? Oh, wow. 
wow. Uh, um, hmm. So, <laughs> wait, wait a second. Let's get this. This is what was not produced by whom, and all the others were produced by Looney Tunes? No. <laughs> not necessarily Looney Tunes. Just, just one of Just these giving you some context. Yeah, Hanna one Barbera. of these is not Hanna Barbera. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with uh, Scooby Doo. I'm going to ride on Scott's coattails and say... Zoinsman, get off my coattails! Say Scooby-Doo. And I'm going to go with Alvin! Well, I think it might have been the scream power that got you there, Buzz, but you are correct. It was the Alvin Show. Well... I want you to know this is really, really, really tight. Everyone has a point, and we haven't taken off points for our terrible Eight puns, points. but we, we haven't Eight. awarded extra points either. What's happening over there? Yeah. <laughs> I got two right, and you gave me points for a joke. What's happening? What is we it? did. I stand corrected. Scott Brainman is in the lead with 197 <laughs> points. Congratulations, Scott, and thank you for that $100 bill you just slipped over here. Every month, I lose more faith in the scoring system. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going to jump in with a multiple with a an open answer question. I'm I'm not going to give you any uh, clues for this one, but uh, inspired by our great Scooby Doo impersonations from the last question, um, which longtime radio personality voiced the Scooby Doo character Shaggy? From 1969 to 1997. Uh, I believe it's Casey Kasem. Anybody else want to weigh in? Um, I don't... Yeah, Casey Kasem. <laughs> I believe it's Bill Newman. <laughs> I thought it was Buzz Eisenberg or <laughs> wait, wait, Howard wait. Cosell. R- Randy Ransom. <laughs> Jimmy Jimson. <laughs> Well, I'm still waiting for a Shaggy impersonation from both Bill and Buzz, but you want to give it a go? No, I, I, <laughs> I don't know Shaggy. I'm sorry. Well, you know who did know Shaggy? It was, in fact, Casey Kasem. Wow. <laughs> 198 points. I don't know, Scott. You know what? My respect for you just plummeted. <laughs> Yes, yes. There, there are points for knowing the answer, but then there have to be points off for knowing the answer. Really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And for rubbing it in our faces. <laughs> yes, bad behavior. Minus 10 points for Scott. I'm the bad boy of this quiz show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so our next uh, open response question uh, is, which famous short animated film is slated to u- lose copyright protection in the U.S. at the end of this year thus entering the public domain. I say it's Mickey Mouse from the 30s. Short animated film. Didn't take this course in law school. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Copyright protection this 101. Isn't, okay, this isn't years, multiple right? choice. Uh, so we're talking about okay. something that came out Steamboat of... Steamboat Willie! Is it 100 years? I'm, I'm just going to say. 1923, it's too early for Snow White. Is Winnie the Pooh's already out there. Oh, no, that's the... All right, Scott. Oh, wait. No, no. Quit stalling. <laughs> Talk it down, Scott. Talk I, it down. I have, an, I have an idea. We had a hint. There was the first question 
was the first year, right, which was 1908. So I think copyright protection is 100 and no. This doesn't work. This Bill's doesn't work. Logic Never mind. Fails him this time. The failure of logic. Never mind. Over the radio, I, but I'm going to give myself a point for not knowing the answer. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Uh, man, I uh, really, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, Alice in Wonderland. Well, I loved the journey it took to get there, um, but we'd already found the answer. It is, in fact, Steamboat yeah. Willie. Yeah. How old are you? Show old. You have no idea. Let's see. She was. Oh wait! Could you give me back my teeth? (laughs) Let's see. She was five or six in 1908. So you take it from there. You should see the portrait in my attic. (laughs) I would like to know your skincare routine. (laughs) All right. Uh, I think that we let's do a a quick little points check in. Scott has 197. (laughs) Julie has three. And Buzz has two. Wait, we're, we're, didn't you mean 300 for we'll Julie? Ta- we'll take this up and let you know how that turned out on the other side of the break. We'll be right back. More of the comedy quiz right That was my this. co-host scoring. <laughs> Where are you? We got some words to do now. Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. Oh, the places you'll go. This Dr. Seuss book might be the quintessential graduation gift. Broadside has it, plus other books for grads. Like What Now by Ann Patchett, Navigate Your Stars by Jesmyn Ward. Toni Morrison's The Source of Self-Regard, Selected Essays, Speeches, and Meditations. Browse Broadside Bookshop for inspiring books for graduates. How about Devotions, The Selected Poems of Mary Oliver. How about Rough Sleepers by Tracy Kidder. Or Cheryl Strayed's Tiny Beautiful Things. Browse Broadside, buy a book for a grad. We finally entered into a more balanced real estate market. Hi, I'm Craig Delapena, a part of the Trailside team at the Murphy's Realtors. I've been helping buyers and sellers in our valley and beyond for close to 20 years. I specialize in homes near rail trails, as well as antique or historic homes. Together, we'll create a plan that gets you to the next chapter and will minimize your stress along the way. Visit NorthamptonRealtor.com innovator. Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday Berkshire East Resort? Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Get outside and enjoy yourself this summer with mountaintop zip lining, an aerial adventure park, and mountain coaster certificates from Berkshire East Resort in Charlemont. Your summer adventure is here. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at whmp.com. The Western Mass Business Show with local dynamo Tara Brewster, Saturdays at 11 and Sundays at 2, only on WHMP. Brought to you by Business West. The vital business news in Western Mass is in Business West. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. You're listening.
listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And the comedy quiz continues, for better or for worse. Maddie Benjamin. Thank you so much, Bill. All right. uh, Hopping right back in with another open response question. Uh, Baby Esther Jones, a black stage performer known for her baby voice, popularized a style of song and dance which heavily influenced which classic cartoon character? Oh, I'm going to come right in here with (laughs) Betty Boop. Uh, And that's, I think it's Betty Boop. Uh, I think it's Elizabeth Boop. (laughs) 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 Ethelbert. Very respectful, Julie. We use her proper name around here. It is indeed uh, Betty Boop. Ms. Boop. Ms. Boop to you. (laughs) But an extra point for Elizabeth. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. you. (laughs) Yeah, there were... um, uh, uh, several cases about who who was the image that inspired Betty Boop, uh, and and Esther Jones is is one of the potentials. Oh, yeah, cool. so cool, right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, and uh, our next uh, open response question is: With thirty three seasons, which animated show is the longest running television cartoon series of all time? The Simpsons. Sorry, am I not supposed to have the right answer <laughs> so fast? Scott, if, if you could struggle a little bit, um, I'd also like to point out we have a few more minutes to go. Just, uh, yeah, sorry. you know, sorry you know instant answer. No, no, you don't get extra well, points for being so quick. Julie will have something funny. Yeah, I'll just, I'm, I'm going to say, um, in honor of Scott, Big Mouth. <laughs> wow, 33 seasons in four years. <laughs> the knives come out in the comedy quiz. <laughs> And I agree with the big mouth answer. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, even if he's being a smart aleck about it, it is in fact the Simpsons. <laughs> not a Scott, not a smart aleck, a smart Scott. There we go. Based right here in Springfield, somewhere in the yeah. U.S. Yeah. All right. Uh, with our last couple minutes, uh, we're going to do something a little different. I am going to read you a classic cartoon character's catchphrase, and the first person to tell me the correct answer for who that character is will get a point. Are you ready for some speed scoring, Bill? (laughs) Hold it, Bill. Can you ask Scott to shut up? (laughs) Scott Scott is currently being taped to a wall. We'll see how this goes. All right. Are we ready? All right. What's up, Doc? Bugs Bunny. One for Julie. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> uh, I feel like I should share it with Scott, no, no, no. though. I'm not going to come in until someone gets it wrong. Okay. Does okay. he have two big ears like this? Oh, he sure does. <laughs> does he have a little tail like this? He sure does. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, two. I taught, I taught, putty tat. I did. I did taught, putty tat. Sylvester. <laughs> Tweety Bird. Tweety Bird is correct. <gasps> One point for Scott. He's right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <sighs> Julie, we're not taking off any points just because the, the, the kindness of the score is on display. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Julie. Thufferin Thuckapash. Is that Sylvester? <laughs> oh, that sure is Sylvester. <laughs> Julie, can you do something about your tongue? <laughs> Put it back in my mouth. <laughs> All right. Uh, Roadrunner. 
That's one for Julie. She didn't even need words for that one. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't. She's she's really a, just pulling ahead. Sorry, Scott. <laughs> All right. Only because Scott is very in a very gentlemanly way standing back. I'm also taped and to taped, the wall. He's also taped, taped to the wall. Yeah. I'm extra baffling. <laughs> all right. And finally, the, 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 that's all, folks. Porky Pig. Congratulations, Julie. I learned so much. Like you guys, Saturday morning, you never went outside. <laughs> the deprived childhoods of, of, of Julie and Maddie and Buzz has been brought to you by the Comedy Quiz. <laughs> Amazing. And what do our final scores look like, Bill? They're all made up anyway. They're all made up. And Julie Wagner gets 1,317 points because, wow, she spent her entire childhood Saturday morning. It was only Saturday mornings, but we really <laughs> packed it in. Uh, so much fun. And if you want to see the beautiful, brilliant, cartoon-loving Julie Wagner uh, on stage, you can see her performance Not in Charge this Saturday at 7 p.m. Uh, at the Happy Valley Comedy Theater. And if you want to see the lovely, talented, and taped to all Scott Braidman free from his shackles, uh, you can see him at the Happier Family Comedy Show uh, this Saturday at 3 at the Eric Carle Museum. And you can see all of our listings at happiervalley.com. Thank you so and much, that, 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 that's all, folks. That's all, folks. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg on WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. We have a very unique and lethal combination of emboldened white supremacy in this country and unfettered access to guns. We need to keep talking about the intersection of white supremacy and guns. Guns are used in order to you know, elicit fear and power and control by white supremacists. And it's not an issue that's going away easily. 101.5, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. WHMP Northampton and WRSI HD2 Turner's Falls. WHMP.com on Northampton Radio Group Station. It's 10 o'clock. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. We begin with the nation's bank failures. Former top executives at Silicon Valley and Signature Banks are about to face pointed questions from senators trying to get to the bottom of this year's crisis. CBS's Stacey Lynn is in Washington. Former CEO of SVB Gregory Becker and the former CEO and co-founder of Signature Bank Scott Shea will be on the hot seat as they attempt to explain what went wrong. A couple of miles away, President Biden hosts congressional leaders at the White House for another round of talks aimed at keeping the government from running out of money next month. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy isn't hopeful. No, I don't think we're in a good place. I know we're not. This ignoring the problem, thinking it's going to go away, he could bumble his way just into a default like he did on the on the on the border. Police in New Mexico are investigating a motive after an 18-year-old gunman killed three people in a residential neighborhood in the small city of Farmington before he was shot and killed by police. It is the 225th mass shooting in the U.S. this year. Former President Obama sat down with CBS Morning's Nate Burleson. We are unique among advanced, developed nations in tolerating, on a routine basis, 
gun violence. There's a new legislative showdown over abortion in the South. North Carolina's Republican-controlled legislature today will try to override Democratic Governor Roy Cooper's veto of legislation banning nearly all abortions after 12 weeks of pregnancy. Cooper said at a public rally in opposition of the proposal. This bill will create dangerous interference with the doctor-patient relationship, leading to harm for pregnant women and their families. Republicans recently obtained veto-proof majorities in both chambers of the legislature. Jim Crisula, CBS News, Greensboro, North Carolina. New numbers show executions around the world have reached a five-year high. Correspondent Vicki Barker's at the Foreign Desk. Of the 576 people Iran put to death, 279 had been convicted of murder, 255 of drug-related offenses, 21 of rape, and 18 of the national security charge enmity against God. They've rolled out the red carpet at Cannes. C'est une femme Johnny Depp is making an appearance at the film festival for the first time since his legal battles with ex-wife Amber Heard. The actor plays Louis XV in the French-language movie Jean de Barry. 80-year-old Harrison Ford is at Cannes promoting his fifth Indiana Jones film. I'm retiring. This is CBS. Need to hire quality candidates fast? You need Indeed. Their powerful hiring platform helps you attract, interview, and hire candidates all in one place. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Have you Googled yourself lately? Are there negative posts from an ex-employee or from a former client? Maybe an outdated news article or sensitive personal information about your family? Search engines don't always get it right. But right or wrong, it's your reputation on the line. That's where Reputation Defender by Norton comes in. One of the most trusted names in online reputation repair. Reputation Defender has been fixing people's search results for over 15 years. Their cutting-edge approaches help you to wipe away unwanted information in your search results. They also promote the good stuff so that it rises to the top, helping you put your best foot forward. Your good name is too valuable to leave to the whims of a Google algorithm. Take control with Reputation Defender. You can start by getting your free Reputation Report Card at reputationdefender.com or call 800-401-6681 to speak to an expert. That's 800-401-66. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The Amherst Pelham Regional Public School Committee debated for more than an hour at an emergency meeting last night on whether to meet in private as the district begins its search for an interim superintendent. This comes after the current superintendent, Dr. Michael Morris, announced he would be taking a leave of absence citing health concerns amid allegations of transphobic actions by three counselors and a Title IX investigation. The group ultimately voted to stay in open session, and the conversation will continue at the district school meeting tonight at 5.30 p.m. A Holyoke police captain is currently under investigation by the police department. 22 News reports that Captain Manuel Reyes is being investigated for allegedly performing an unwarranted quarry check on someone who was speaking with his estranged wife. This comes after Reyes was placed on administrative leave last month for a complaint filed through Holyoke District Court alleging he sexually harassed and assaulted a female HPD officer on multiple occasions and sent inappropriate text messages and intimidated her when she objected to advances. Today is the Athol Orange Community Television Foodathon. The event raises tens of thousands of dollars every year for six local food pantries. WHAI's Jay Dean. The pantries tell us every year that the people that come to look for help, it doesn't go down. You know, it goes up. Dean helped found the event in 2004. 
Money raised during the event will benefit six local food pantries in Athol, Orange, and Wendell, as well as the Franklin County Community Meals Program. Partly to mostly sunny today, breezy dry weather continues the high brush fire danger. A high of 78 to 82. Chance for a scattered shower tonight, otherwise an overnight low of 40 to 46. Sunny tomorrow, 62 to 66. Low 70s on Thursday. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. And welcome to Talk to Talk. I'm Buzz Eisenberg. And I'm Bill Newman. And this is the wonderful time of the month where our uh, uh, professor, Carrie Baker, Smith College professor, and she writes for Miss Magazine, and I don't know how she finds the time to do everything she does, but she does, in fact, do it, uh, including our segment called Feminist Futures. Hello, Carrie. Hi. How are you doing, Buzz? I'm doing great. Last uh, Monday's, I'm looking at Monday's recorder, And there's an article, the headline of which is Crisis Pregnancy Centers Denounced. March from Town Common draws about 100 people. I guess there were a number of people, about 100 people, um, wanting to express their outrage about these crisis pregnancy centers. Were you there? I was not there, unfortunately, but I was involved in helping to organize I just want to, you were in Morocco or something? Yeah, I've been abroad. <laughs> I've been traveling, which is pretty amazing. I'm on sabbatical this semester. Congratulations. So. But, um, so there were nine different standouts across the state. So this was a statewide action to try to raise awareness about anti-abortion centers, sometimes called crisis pregnancy centers, that pretend to be medical clinics and lure people in and then give them disinformation about abortion, um, inaccurate information to try to discourage them. Often these are um, evangelical organizations that um, you know, just want to stop abortion. So they will use any means. And so we decided to try to raise awareness, let people in communities know that these um, crisis pregnancy centers exist and that they are not real medical clinics and will not give accurate information about abortion, that they are trying to dissuade people from abortion. It's a really important message for people to understand, for all people to understand. Meanwhile, you have a special guest today. I do. I am so thrilled today to have Cheryl Zoll here, who is um, CEO of Tapestry. She's been that since 2014. Uh, Before that, she was executive director of Amherst Survival Center and um, was the site director for the Literacy Project's Orange MA programs. Cheryl started her career as a linguistics professor teaching at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Amherst College, Hampshire College, and the University of Iowa. She holds a bachelor's degree from Harvard University, a master's degree from Brandeis, and a PhD from the University of California at Berkeley. But when is she going to accomplish something? I know. We are so lucky I'm still to have young. Cheryl here. And you know, the coolest <laughs> thing about Cheryl is she was born and grew up in Salem. Exactly. Yes. Salem, Massachusetts. She has great Salem stories. <laughs> so I'm just so thrilled to have you here. You have done an amazing job at Tapestry over the last nine years, and I know you're about to step down. So I wanted to invite you here today to talk a little bit about your time as head of Tapestry, but also kind of where we are in reproductive rights today. And I wanted to start actually with a um, something that happened last week, an advisory committee to the FDA 
approve the first ever over-the-counter birth control pill called Opil. And I was wondering if you could talk about what this means for um, women and people who can become pregnant in Western Massachusetts. This is a hugely exciting development. Access to contraception is one of the major ways in which people can take control of their lives and their bodies. And so, and the pill has been shown again and again to be safe and the instructions easy to follow. Yeah. So we're, Tapestry is has always been about access and making access as easy as possible. And we envision a world where access is easy and this is just like such a great move in a direction where things should have gone a long time ago. Will it make birth control pills less expensive? Well, that's, I, I don't know if there's a direct connection between um, what the cost is gonna be and what it's gonna look like. With Narcan going over the counter, which is a completely different Thing, the overdose reversal drug, we have seen the price of it come down so that it could be sold as an over-the-counter drug. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the birth control pills. And so this means we can somebody could just walk into CVS and there it is on the shelf next to the pads and the, it, it just makes it, you don't have to go to a doctor, you don't have to you know, take time off work. You know, pay, will will there be an age that? requirement? No, not, that not I know according of, yeah. to the, yeah. now this was a recommendation by the expert committee to the FDA. The FDA still has to actually right. approve it. But um, yeah, this is the first ever. Many European countries have over-the-counter birth control pills. Uh, and I know there are other drug companies that have applied for over-the-counter, so there'll be more selection. Yeah. But um, this just seems like a really, I mean, especially at this time when abortion rights are rolling back, a really important development. Really important. It'll be easier for all the reasons that you said and also for reasons of confidentiality. You know, nobody oh. should need to know yeah. whether you're taking birth control pills or not. That's your own choice. Great point. Yeah. I think about my young students who are on their parents' health insurance and may not want to, you know, go to the doctor and file a claim like that because they may want to keep their business to themselves. So That's that right. Yeah. just get it. Yeah. That's amazing. And you probably know that already at Tapestry, teens can come yeah. in and we don't need to bill their insurance. So we are able to provide that confidential service. But yeah. You know, there's only so many tapestries, and this would be wonderful to see it in pharmacies. Absolutely, and young people may not know about it or not be able to get to it. And I, I mean, I know you do amazing outreach, and you are lo located in lots yeah. of great places. So I wanted to ask you, I know Tapestry was founded in 1973, right after the Supreme Court recognized the constitutional right to abortion. You've led Tapestry for the last nine years, during which there's been tremendous erosion of reproductive rights. Two years into your tenure, Donald Trump took over as president, and his administration cut family planning money for clinics like yours for the first time. Yeah. Then last year, the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade, and now courts are threatening to pull the abortion pill Mifepristone off the market. And of course, the COVID-19 pandemic. You've had quite an eventful run. What has it been like to guide tapestry through this period? Uh, it's... It's been exhilarating, I would say. The mission of tapestry is so important, and to be in a place where we, in a with an agency that's in a position to meet those kind of challenges head on, with the incredible people who are doing the work there, it's really been an, a privilege and an honor. And um, you know, the watching what's happening in the world is very painful, but there's also been just so much joy in being part of this team that's 
continuing to make things accessible for people, regardless of what's happening in the world. So I just realized I should have asked you, can you say a little bit about what tapestry is? And, and maybe you can go back because uh, in the introduction that uh, uh, Carrie gave, she talked about tapestry being formed. It was actually the Family Planning Council of Western Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. So maybe we should start there. Cheryl? Yes. So uh, Tapestry was formed as the Family Planning Council of Western Massachusetts in 1973, not that long after birth control became legal for married women in Massachusetts. Um, and it was founded by Leslie Tarlori, who had a vision of making um, reproductive, sexual and reproductive health care accessible to everybody, regardless of ability to pay, marital status, any anything that might be a barrier to them. And the, Tapestry since that time and has always been an organization that provided care in areas where stigma was a barrier. So in the 80s with HIV, Tapestry was one of the first organizations that provided confidential testing and support for people who are HIV positive. In the 90s, as it became clearer that one of the ways that HIV spread was through used syringes, Tapestry opened one of the first needle exchanges in Western Mass. And it's sort of gone on like that adding services, we added gender-affirming hormone care when that became avail available and it was clear that there weren't enough people providing it in Western Mass. So it's a really like a fighting organization that exists to make sure that everybody has access to high quality health care and other kinds of support without stigma. And so the increasing stigma around abortion, around LGBTQ people, trans people, um, people who use drugs, tapestry, uh, that's, that's our lane. And that's where I think we, it, we've always offered services and we'll continue to offer services. And may I ask you, doctor, about um, your harm reduction program, about safe syringe mm -hmm. use? Yes, yeah, so Tapestry in 1990 opened, the, I think it was the second syringe access site in Massachusetts. And um, in, in Northampton. In Northampton, yes, in Northampton. And then we opened another, which Bill knows something about, um, in Holyoke a few years later. Um, syringe access is a, a vital life saving program for people who use drugs uh, because it, like all of tapestry programs, it kind of recognizes people kind of meets people where they're at and then want, helps to make people's lives safer. So we provide, say, we provide clean syringes and other supplies for safer drug use. We also provide connections to housing, connections to recovery programs. For a lot of the people that come to us, uh, drug use can be very isolating. We might be the only people they're talking to, the only services they're getting. And as the drug supply has continued to get more poison with fentanyl and with xylazine, the needle exchanges, and now we have six, and we also are, have, do a lot of outreach all over Western Mass. Uh, sorry, not in the Berkshires, but in the other three Western Mass counties. Um, it's, it's been just critical for keeping people alive. Yeah, I, I just want to inject one quick note here, which is that uh, Cheryl Zaldi, Executive Director of Tapestry said, I knew something about Holyoke. Holyoke fought tooth and nail to make sure yeah. people could not get this service. Exactly. It was, what, four years we were in court on that? A long time. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. But what a victory. I mean, not only did Tapestry get to stay, and we had a great support from Bill and from yeah. the ACLU, but um, a consequence of that was that the state loosened up 
its um, restrictions on needle exchanges, and now there's about 40 oh, in the wow. state. And then 10 years ago, there were five. So wow. it's real. there's really been an explosion of those services. What a legacy show. Yeah. Well, I'm not taking any... I mean, I'll take a little credit for being there, but this is an example of, you know, what happens when people get together and stand up to stigma, really. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of stigma about abortion. And um, do you think that tapestry will ever offer abortion pills or evacuation abortion? Well, tapestry is always looking at the landscape and seeing what what the need is. So... We're, we just completed a five-year strategic plan, and it just at the moment where Roe fell and we're seeing all these restrictions across the country, so we're assessing what is going to be needed and then seeing where we can best step in. But what we are doing right now is well, really what we've always done, but we're doing it more and trying to be more out there doing it is making sure that people know that they can come to us to to... Um, get what they need and what they they want. And it's funny how we've had to do that. So in some ways, like, we've really stepped up in our own education about crisis pregnancy centers to make sure that people understand, like, what's the difference between a real sexual and reproductive health clinic and these crisis pregnancy centers. And we've just, this is, you know, I don't think this was true 10 years ago. We've had to spend money on Google AdWords because we were getting outspent. So if someone did a Google search, you know, the first thing that might come up is a crisis pregnancy center likely to come up. And so, you know, who would have thought a decade ago that to fight um, these anti-abortion forces, we'd actually have to be spending money on a kind of advertising that didn't used to exist, but it's vital or people won't even get have a chance to see what the real health I'm really glad you're doing that because if you Google abortion near me in Northampton, you get a CPC in Springfield yeah. at the top of the list because they pay for an ad. And they look very like a medical clinic. Exactly. They do that on purpose. And, and I've interviewed people for Ms. who have been misled and ended up at these CPCs where they get, talk about stigma, where they get uh, called all kinds of names and pressured and so I'm really glad that you're doing that. Once again, let's just say it, Crisis Pregnancy Center, CPC. Yeah. 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 yeah, but look at how successful the right wing and the anti-choice people have been. They get us all to use their word, a crisis pregnancy center. It's an anti-abortion institution. Yeah. That's right, Bill. Yeah. You know, they don't use CPC anymore, and it's because it's a stigmatizing phrase, and so that's why I do use it. Uh, <laughs> um, but there's a debate right now going on about what to call them, and I know the AP just shifted to anti-abortion center, but they do more than discourage abortion. They discourage contraception. They interfere with people's access to um, prenatal care right. because they're worried that they'll get an abortion so they try to keep them from real doctors as long as possible when women actually need and people need access to prenatal care as quickly as possible. Yeah, we are, this is uh, Feminist Future with Carrie Baker. Baker. Uh, I know your last name. I honestly do. <laughs> it's an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be right back after this. When I was your girl Promised if I'd be your wife, you'd show me the world. But all I've seen of this old world is a bed and a doctor bill. I'm tearing down your brooder house, cause now I've got the pill. All these years I've stayed... You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. Hi, Tom Hartman here. Be sure to join me noon to 3 Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, right here on the Tom Hartman Program. 
occupying the media three hours a day, five days a week for We the People. On 101.5, 1400, and 1240. Join me noon to 3 Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, right here on the Tom Hartman Program. WHMP. The last place any of us wants to end up is the auto body shop. But if you ever do, the people to turn to are the experts at Fort Hill Collision Services in Amherst. At Fort Hill, you can leave your concerns at the door. They'll work with your insurance company and return your vehicle back to you in perfect condition. Guaranteed. Look, you love your car. Fort Hill Collision Services will love it too. So for the European touch for your foreign or domestic vehicle, trust the experts at Fort Hill Collision Services, Route 9 in Amherst. 20 years ago, we envisioned creating a brighter future for people and planet. Now PV Squared celebrates a big milestone, two decades of designing, building, and maintaining quality solar projects for homes and businesses in our community. PV Squared is a worker-owned co-op. When you partner with us, you get a team dedicated to the success of your project, from your first meeting to servicing your system down the road. Build solar right and do business better. It's the co-op difference. Learn more at pvsquared.coop. College tuition, a long overdue remodel. Credit card consolidation. Good ideas come to you every day. But now, with a home equity loan from Franklin First Federal Credit Union, you take ideas and make them come alive. Get a fixed rate of 5.74% APR for 20 years and gain control of your world again. Start at franklinfirst.org. Rates subject to change, membership eligibility required. Franklin First Federal Credit Union is an equal housing lender and insured by NCUA. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. There we go. We are back with, with Carrie Baker. Uh, and her extraordinary guest, Dr. Cheryl Zoll, who's been the CEO of Tapestry. <coughs> Carrie. Yeah. So, so Cheryl, I wanted to just clarify about um, the FDA Advisory Committee approval of the O-Pill. It's not available yet. That's right. But it will be available soon. We hope. We hope. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, it, tell me a little bit about how reliable it is and how easy it is to use and what other methods there are. Well, there's a, a wide variety of birth control methods. Um, the, the pill has been shown to be one of the most effective when used correctly. And so I think the challenge and the opportunity here is just to make sure that as it's being um, sold over the counter that the instructions are clear and that people are supported. My understanding is that um, from the study they've done on that, the compliance is not different from people who get it over the counter. And so I'm not especially concerned that that's going to be a, a consequence of this change. Um, but as always, and Tapestry is always very focused on this, making sure people have the right education about what they're getting is going to be key, yeah. regardless of how they're getting the pill. Well, and I know there's some concern about will people have to pay out of pocket now um, and whether insurance will still cover it and so that there are efforts in that front. That's right. And we'll, that's just something we'll have to continue to work on. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, I, I um, wanted to ask you um, a little more about um, your services and what, you know, what you're doing to address the erosion of reproductive rights. How are your services changing? Like, are you, 
offering virtual or telemedicine services or other kinds of services. Yeah, um, and this has been a quote-unquote silver lining of the pandemic. We quickly, like so many other healthcare organizations, ramped up to do telehealth. And so now we do have quite a lot of telehealth available, and we are shifting now to um, make it possible for people, even in areas where uh, the service, that, no, I'm not thinking, of, you know, the internet service yeah. is, is uh, difficult, which is a lot of Western Mass, um, they'll be able to access it. So that's one of the major ways. And then we do a lot of outreach. So we're not doing outreach care so much as, um, but just really like getting out there and connecting people to our services through um, informational events. And then one thing I forgot to mention is that we are now operating a mobile health van, which is really important. I don't know how I forgot it. It's so exciting. Um, this was through funding uh, from the Bureau of Substance Addiction Services, and it's primarily um, providing health care for people who use drugs and going out to where people are. Wow. And our clinician uh, spends some time in our clinics and has been offering a lot of birth control and other sexual health services. It's absolutely amazing how many things Tapestry does that are about helping people. Where do you get your funding? And if people want to support you, how do they do that? We're, we're primarily funded by the state, uh, about 85% of our budget, but we also do need to raise funds because a lot of the reasons that Tapestry is able to pivot as there are new crises is because we have some unencumbered funding that um, allows us to make decisions about how to use it kind of in the moment. So our website is tapestryhealth.org, and there's information there about... Um, how you can contribute to us. We also have a great event coming up on June 10th. It's gonna be at Gateway City Arts in East Hampton. It'll be hosted by two drag performers. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It's our 50th anniversary. So I hope people All will right. consider joining us. So if you go to our website, tapestryhealth.org, you can get information about that event. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it can feel, um, especially with Dobbs and everything going on across the country, that things are, are speeding backwards. Are there ways in which Things have gotten better over the last 50 years. I feel like there are a lot of things that are, are better. Um, for one thing, the ACA has really made contraceptives more available to people. The Affordable Care Act. Yes. Obamacare. Yes. Right. So, so, and, and so anybody who has, needs, needs care can get what they need who's looking for contraceptives. For free, with no copay. That's right, right, if they have insurance. And if you don't have insurance and you come to Tapestry, you can also get it for free. Right. So that's an important thing for people to know. I also feel like, you know, in there's been an incredible backlash, but the world has really opened up to understanding the um, complexity of gender identity, and people feel much more uh, free to to be their authentic selves. Um, and so that, I think, has led to a lot of positive developments. And that's part of what led Tapestry now to offer gender-affirming mm -hmm. healthcare. You know, that's another thing that we offer with, you know, with celebration and, and joy. And people are so happy to be able to get that service. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I know that before Tapestry, you were at the uh, Survival Center and the Amherst Survival Center, and then you were at Tapestry. You're retiring now. What's next? Are you going to do something different? Um, I'm not thinking that I'm retiring. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, Sorry, I shouldn't. No, no. I know my gray hair and all that. But, <laughs> but um, I, I, I'm, um, 
I feel like I've had a great time at Tapestry. I came in at a particular moment. I followed a founder, and that's a particular stage in an organization's development. And now I feel like Tapestry's ready to be taken to the next stage by the next leader. I haven't yet figured out what I'm doing next. I really want to focus on, you know, any transition for an organization is important, and I'm a thousand percent in tapestry right now. So I'm going to finish up at the end of June, take a little break, and then I'll look to see what opportunities are there. But the mission remains just so important to me. Absolutely. So I always like to finish this show with the question, what is your feminist future? I think my feminist, I was at Pride when it happened, and just the freedom of expression and people being who they are without stigma, you know, obviously the country's not entirely there yet. I feel like my feminist future is that where everybody can be their authentic self, where people are paid based on their work and not on their identity, where opportunities are open to people based on their skills and not their identities. And I think that's, that's the world I want, and I feel like that's the world we're going to get. It's just going to take some more work. Right. Well, yeah. your work at Tapestry has certainly helped us move towards that. And thank you. Thank you so much, Cheryl, for being here today. Oh, thanks, Carrie. Wow. I love that message. It's going to just keep bouncing around in my head. Oh, good. Thank you so much, Carrie. Thank you so much, Cheryl. And could I just mention before we go uh, that Carrie Baker, uh, who is a professor at Smith, professor for the study of women and gender, Uh, and is an attorney as well. What I wanted to point out to you is that she is also a regular columnist in addition to a contributor to Ms. She is a regular columnist for the Daily Hampshire Gazette and the Greenfield Recorder, and you can read her regularly there. And I want to say something to Cheryl Zoll. You've been a gift to this valley and to this region, and I want to give you my personal appreciation for all you've done as the CEO of Tapestry. Really, we are all in your debt. Absolutely. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you. I'm going to cry, but we're going to take a break. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The Amherst Pelham Regional Public School Committee debated for more than an hour at an emergency meeting last night on whether to meet in private as the district begins its search for an interim superintendent. This comes after the current superintendent, Dr. Michael Morris, announced he would be taking a leave of absence citing health concerns amid allegations of transphobic actions by three counselors and a Title IX investigation. The group ultimately voted to stay in open session, and the conversation will continue at the district school meeting tonight at 5.30 p.m. A Holyoke police captain is currently under investigation by the police department. 22 News reports that Captain Manuel Reyes is being investigated for allegedly performing an unwarranted quarry check on someone who was speaking with his estranged wife. This comes after Reyes was placed on administrative leave last month for a complaint filed through Holyoke District Court alleging he sexually harassed and assaulted a female HPD officer on multiple occasions and sent inappropriate text messages and intimidated her when she objected to advances. Today is the Athol Orange Community Television Foodathon. The event raises tens of thousands of dollars every year for six local food pantries. WHAI's Jay Dean. 
The pantries tell us every year that the people that come to look for help, it doesn't go down. You know, it goes up. Dean helped found the event in 2004. Money raised during the event will benefit six local food pantries in Athol, Orange, and Wendell, as well as the Franklin County Community Meals Program. Partly to mostly sunny today, breezy dry weather continues the high brush fire danger. A high of 78 to 82. Chance for a scattered shower tonight, otherwise an overnight low of 40 to 46. Sunny tomorrow, 62 to 66. Low 70s on Thursday. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. The Daily Hampshire Gazette, the Pioneer Valley's newspaper covering Holyoke to Deerfield and Belchertown to the Hilltowns, was awarded New England Newspaper of the Year for their local news coverage. Home delivered six days a week and online 24-7. Try their digital-only subscription options and stay connected with your community wherever you are. Pick up a copy on newsstands, subscribe, or visit gazettenet.com. The Daily Hampshire Gazette, covering the Pioneer Valley since 1786. You could be one word away from $1,000. It's a grand in the hand on WHMP. Listen each weekday for the $1,000 keyword at around 815, 1215, and 415. When you hear the keyword, just go to WHMP.com and enter it for a shot at $1,000. You have until midnight to enter the keyword of the day. It's a grand in the hand on WHMP. Complete rules and details on WHMP.com. Are you an immigrant worried about your future? Do you want to change your life? At Center for New Americans, you can take English classes for free. They help immigrants with jobs, licenses, healthcare, as well as immigration and citizenship. CNA helps you create a better future. CNA is like family you can trust that gives you hope and confidence that there is always support for various situations. They help dreams come true. Do you want to be a part of Center for New Americans? Visit our website at cnam.org. Call 413-587-0084. Center for New Americans, with offices in Amherst, Northampton, and Greenfield. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. The literary world is smiling because this week we get an extra <laughs> dose of Megan Bonus. Zinn. Bonus. It's the bonus. It's the bonus right And encore. Block. Encore. Well, um, I'm very happy to be here a second day, and I'm very happy because um, my guests are two of my favorite writers, although they exist in the world, literary world, as one person, which I'll explain in a second. Um, they're, so the guest is Christina Lauren, and they're, as I said, they're actually two writers, Christina Hobbs and Laura Billings. Lauren Billings, excuse me. Um, and together they have produced 18 New York Times bestselling novels. Their latest is released today, and it's called The True Love Experiment, which Kirkus called yet another pitch-perfect rom-com that manages to be funny, angsty, and extremely sexy. 
And uh, tonight, uh, Christina and Lauren will um, be on the first stop of their True Love Experiment Tour. They'll be at An Unlikely Story, which is a bookstore in Plainville, Mass., which is on the eastern side of the state, um, at 7 p.m. And the main event is sold out, but there's overflow still available, and there's info on the Unlikely Story website and unlikelystory.com. Love the name of that store. Not familiar with it. Great name. Um, so welcome, Christina and Lauren. Hello. Thank you for having us. Thank you for being yes, thank here. thank you for having us. Um, I wanted to start by having you read um, a selection from The True Love Experiment, if you're prepped I would that. love to. Okay, so this is Lauren's voice, mm -hmm. and I'm just going to set you up a little yep. bit because this is the beginning of the book, and this is when our heroine, Felicity, known as Fizzy, is giving a commencement address at her alma mater, UC San Diego. And so you'll see in the middle of this, she sort of has a crisis of, <laughs> of, uh, of confidence. So um, she's giving the commencement and she says, listen, I pause for effect, waiting for the laughter to subside and curiosity to take over. Romance isn't gratuitous body ripping. It can be, and there's nothing wrong with that. But in the end, romance isn't about the fantasy of being wealthy or beautiful or even tied to the bed. More laughter, but I have their attention now. It's about elevating stories of joy above stories of pain. It is about seeing yourself as the main character in a very interesting or maybe even quiet life that is entirely yours to control. It is, my friends, the fantasy of significance. I pause again, just like I practiced, because all these babies have been raised under the dreary cloud of the patriarchy, and I consider it my mission on earth to smash that with a proverbial hammer. The truth that we all deserve significance needs time to sink in. But the pause stretches longer than I'd planned because I didn't expect my own thesis to hit me like a thunderbolt to the center of my chest. I have lived my entire adult life like it's a romance novel. I've embraced adventure and ambition. I've been open to love. I enjoy sex. I support the women in my life. I actively think of ways to make the world around me a better place. I am surrounded by family and close friends but my own significance is primarily as the sidekick bestie, the devoted daughter, the one night stand they'll never forget. The real meat of my story, the romance plot, including love and happiness is one gaping hole. I'm tired of first dates and I suddenly feel so weary I could lie down right here at the podium. I am aware in a jarring gust that I have lost my joy. I stare out at the sea of faces pointed at me, their eyes wide and attentive, and I want to admit the worst bit. I've never made it past the first act of my own story. I don't know what it feels like to be consistently significant. How can I tell these fresh baby adults to go out there with optimism because everything will be okay? The world seems intent on beating us down, and I don't remember the last time I was genuinely happy. Everything I'm telling them, every single hopeful word of this speech feels like a lie. Somehow I managed to put the glowing fizzy mask on and tell these kids that the best thing they can do for their future is to pick the right community. I tell them that if they approach their future with the optimism of the world's boyfriend, Ted Lasso, things will turn out okay. I tell them that if they put in the work, if they allow that there will be blind curves and ups and downs, if they allow themselves to be vulnerable and loved and honest with the people who mean something to them, things will really turn out okay. And when I step away from the podium, take a seat beside my friend River, he presses something into my palm. You nailed it. I stare down at the crisp $20 bill and then discreetly hand it back to him. Plastering a grin on my face, aware that we're still facing an audience of thousands, I say, 
but what if it's all BS? Excellent. I love the Ted Lasso shout out. Um, <laughs> my, my, my guests are Christina Hobbs and Lauren Billings, who are known as Christina Lauren. Um, and so tell us about the basic um, overview plot of the True Love Experiment. Okay, so this is Christina. Uh, Felicity Fizzy Chen is in a rut. She's a beloved romance author who's in the middle of giving a commencement address, like Lo just read, mm -hmm. when she realizes that she's written dozens of love stories but has never been in love herself. Connor Prince is a documentary filmmaker and a single dad who is happy with his life, even if it lacks romance. But when his profit-minded boss tasks him with creating a reality show, he's thrown. When he stumbles across Fizzy's books, he thinks he might have the solution. What would be better entertainment than finding a soulmate for the queen of romance herself? Sparks fly between the two and Connor wonders whether he's actually found his perfect match only to give her a happily ever after with someone else. Oh, um, so, and this is a follow-up to the soulmate equation. Um, do, does, uh, do our readers or listeners need to read that book before they read The True Love Experiment? So this is Lauren again. They absolutely do not. Um, the soulmate equation sets up the technology that's used for the mm -hmm. dating show in the true love experiment. And you meet Fizzy as a side character in that book. Um, so I think it's fun because readers really loved Fizzy as the bestie in that book. And it, yeah. she was just a, she stole every scene, <laughs> but you absolutely don't need to have read it first to read this one. Is there a follow-up coming? Is it a trilogy or is it just a sort of duology of these characters? Um, this is Christina again. Uh, the thing is, is that we never intended to write this book. When we finished The Soulmate Equation, we thought we were done. Um, and then we went out on virtual tour because everything was still yeah. um, closed down. And at every single like virtual event, every book club, everything, everyone asked if Fizzy was going to get uh -huh. uh, Happily Ever After, if we were going to get a book. And we just had never planned it because if we were planning on writing her book, we might not have made her a romance novelist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we might have given ourselves like a few more, you know, things to play with, a few more Easter eggs and stuff. So we just never planned, you know, to write her book. So will we write another one? our thing now is never say never. Oh, that's, that's fair enough. Um, my guests are Christina Hobbs and Lauren Billings, who write together as Christina Lauren. Um, and so tell us how, I know that there's a great story about how you, you connected, how you started writing together. What's the, what's the history there? Um, and so could I interject? I'd love to, I'd love to, this is Bill, and I'd love, while you're answering that question, how do you ever do that? How do two people <laughs> write together? That's, and, well, that's, and that's and a follow-up question. A novel? Yeah. yeah. Huh? Many, really? Many novels, too, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, so this is Lauren. I will say it's it's one of those things when you meet other co-authors, you realize that everybody does it differently. And the way that we write together is not the way that many co-authors have done it, but it's totally evolved just over time. We met back in 2009. We were both writing fan fiction at the time, and we were posting our stories online just as a hobby for fun and reading each other's stories and really liking each other's writing. And um, I organized a panel at San Diego Comic-Con for fan fiction and fan art. And Christina had a very big story at the time, so she came out and we met in person. And we just really hit it off and we thought it would be fun to collaborate. So we collaborated on a little short story and it was so well received. We're like, well, let's just write a book. Like, like it's such an easy thing to do, right? <laughs> just like sit down and write a book together. <laughs> sure. And we were so naive and we kind of didn't realize what a big undertaking it was, but it was very serendipitous. We had the best time 
and yeah, it's just been a real wild ride. Yeah, and there's a little, mm-hmm. there was a little dark side to it too. You almost had your first book stolen out from under you. Is that correct? Um, so the first, Bo mentioned, this is Christina again, mm-hmm. that the first thing we wrote was fan fiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you that don't know what fan fiction is, it is um, people like say you fell in love with Harry Potter or the Avengers or whatever it is, and you're not ready to give up those characters. There is fan fiction out there where someone has taken those characters and done something new with them. You know, if you wanted it to go A, it you know, you write that storyline. And so I had written this story. It, it was a Twilight fan fiction that was not, they were not vampires. It was just, you know, a boss and a secretary and they were sort of crazy and, you know, but I had taken it down and Lo and I were writing together. And then um, at some point I had a friend, 50 Shades came out and everybody, you know, was looking for the next 50 Shades. And at some point, a friend of mine who worked in publishing, um, emailed me or texted me something and was like, hey, have you reworked the office? Because it just came across my desk and it's got different names. And I was like, no, that was not me. And we found out that somebody had taken it, you know, because it was posted online Mm -hmm. originally, changed the names and then tried to publish it as their own because I didn't publish it under the name Christina Hobbs. I published Mm. it under, you know, a silly little pen name. Mm And um, so that's sort of how that started. Lo and I, when we were first writing together, we were writing, we thought we were going to write young adult <laughs> books together. So it's crazy how that changed. Yeah. And you were able to kind of stop that process and get that book, um, The Office, published. And it's uh, under the name Beautiful Bastard, correct? That's that's, right. that, that's, that's the right. run. And that was your first, um, the first one um, um, that kind of made your name. Um, and I think we're going to take a break now for We are going to take a break. And uh, we'll be back in a little bit with Christina sure. Lauren. Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. What what I'm trying to communicate is that there are many, many layers of of safety management in place at Eversource to ensure that we reduce as much risk as as possible. Does the Bliss Street Station intentionally vent gas regularly? Because I can tell you that it vents gas. Pretty much every time I've gone to that area, I have smelled gas. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. What's cooking at River Valley Co-op? Here's avid eater, grocery shopper, and co-op member Bill Newman. Local farms are welcoming spring to the co-op. Asparagus popping up and ready to eat in bunches. In the co-op meat department, local chicken from Reed Farm, house-made brats and sausage, everything to kick off grilling season. In the co-op cheese department, welcome the maple season with maple-washed Willoughby, a delicious local cheese washed with Vermont maple liqueur. River Valley Co-op, wild about local. Everyone is welcome. 
At Mountain View Farm in East Hampton, we have been growing beautiful, certified organic produce exclusively for our farm share members since we started, and we have been voted best local CSA in the Valley for the last 15 years running. Included in your weekly pickup, you can also enjoy our field of you-pick flowers and herbs all season long, and you can shop in our farm store, which features many wonderful local products. We offer shares for all size households. Sign up at mountainviewfarmcsa.com. What's new at the Waitley Inn? Everything. The Waitley Inn has undergone a stunning transformation with a fresh new look inside and a beautiful wraparound porch with great views and expanded parking area. The only thing that hasn't changed is the menu, offering classic New England fare the Waitley Inn has become famous for. The Waitley Inn is open Wednesday through Saturday starting at 4 p.m. and Sunday from 1 to 7. Pickup is also available with easy online ordering. Visit WaitleyInn.com. Eat greatly at the Waitley. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And you are listening to the Writer's Block uh, with Megan Zinn. And my guests, Christina Lauren, who are Christina Hobbs and Lauren Billings, who write together as Christina Lauren. And um, we talked a little bit about, you know, the, how unusual it is that you are a, um, a team of writers um, writing um, as one. Um, what is your process um, in general um, about how you, how you actually work together? Uh, this is Christina. So what it changes, you know, we've written, this is our 29th book. So <laughs> we've been writing together for 13 years. As you can guess, the process has changed. So, um, the one thing that's always the same is that we outline together. I am in Utah and Lo is in California. So usually I go to her and we spend a couple days talking about the book, talking about the characters, watching movies for inspiration, people watching, that kind of thing. We outline that when we have our sections, we are our kind of marching orders, we go back to our separate houses. And sometimes we write, you know, alternating points of view. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we write, um, you know, different timelines sometimes we just like when one finishes one we just pick up on the next one sometimes one edits the other drafts it just depends I think the number one thing we've learned is that we just have to be flexible because lives are not the same 10 years in Mm -hmm. and that's worked for us so far yeah and you do you seem to do a very good job of blending the voices because it doesn't seem like the chapters are written by different people I assume you've got some good editing and and a good eye for kind of matching each other's voices oh absolutely i mean we spend a lot of time in edits i can imagine yeah um do do you ever disagree on plot lines and what do you do if that happens so this is lauren you know it's funny other than how do we write together this is probably the question (laughs) of course and and i think you know it is because it's you know creative personalities coming together creating something you know you wonder how can you agree all the time and of course we we don't but we don't fight about the books, if that makes sense. I mean, the nice thing is because, as I mentioned, we've been writing together pretty much since the beginning of our writing careers. Mm-hmm. Like, we were just hobby writing before. And so we came into this and we created the Christina Lauren pen name, um, which has been nice because it means that there's no individual ego. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what matters most is what's best for the story, not whose idea it was. You'll, the reader will never know whose idea comes mm-hmm. out, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that doesn't matter anyway. Um, and so we always talk stuff out. Um, we kind of bounce a lot of ideas around and whichever one is the best is the one we go with. And if one of us takes it a direction that we don't like, um, you know, we just talk about it. It's, okay. it's, it's really the, one of the most functional relationships of my entire <laughs> life. Like I have a really great marriage 
And Christina and my friendship is still probably the most healthy functional relationship I've ever had. And it takes a lot of work. Well, you know, I, I am so disappointed. I thought what was going to happen. <laughs> you wanted, you wanted, you wanted to start a fight. I wanted Christina to say we don't disagree, and Lauren said, yes, we do. And then I've been a major fight. No, but it's a perfect, because romance novels are about um, finding, you know, building a relationship and compromise and, and finding um, a place where you can have an adult relationship together. So it's a perfect model. Um, so yeah, I have a question in the book. Uh, the character, again, I'm talking to Christina Hobbs and Laura Bill, Lauren Billings, uh, who are Christina Lauren's uh, best-selling romance novelists. Novelists. Um, in the book, the character of Connor says, um, quote, it seems it's pretty hard to write a compelling book when the reader already knows how it ends, which is often the critique of romance novels. Oh, well, we know how it ends. It's happy. But that's really hard, as he says, mm -hmm. to write a compelling book when the reader knows it's going to end happily. What are some of the um, strategies that you have to keep it compelling, even though we know the end? Um, so I think a lot of it is that knowing the characters, we all have friends that um, if you describe them, you could name three things that they do and you know exactly like kind of who they are. And so we want to have characters that feel like people that you know, and we want to have stories. I mean, I think we used to write our books a lot faster because the stories were simpler and now our worlds, you know, are bigger. We have more characters, we have more plot lines. Um, the thing that's great about having a co-author is that I'm writing for Lowe and Lowe is writing for me. Mm -hmm. And so as long as I'm writing something that Lowe loves, because Lowe is like a voracious romance reader, um, it's a pretty good bet that our readers are going to love it too. Mm, yes, that's a, a smart way of doing it. Um, and what are what writer what writers have influenced you? I assume it's slightly different for each one of you. Uh, writers, particularly yes. romance writers and non-romance writers. Who, who's interested? Well, it's funny you? because I was, so this is Lauren. I wrote, I grew up reading a ton of like Judy Bloom, mm -hmm. and then I graduated and went into Danielle Steele <laughs> and my family. My parents were very literary um, readers and literary people. Um, and so, you know, I would sort of have to take my allowance to the half, you know, the half price bookstore and go get my books with my allowance and and read what I wanted to read because it was I was seeking out love stories all the time. So I was really influenced by early on by um, by Danielle Steele specifically, mm -hmm. and then I moved into I moved kind of moved from there back into literary. And I just love Barbara Kingsolver. Mm -hmm. I love Wally Lamb. Um, I love Amy Tan. Those are some of the books that I read early on that really made me want to be a writer. Um, and so I love to bring in some of that background of, of literature and fiction into writing romance and, and just making sure that the characters feel fully realized. Yeah, yeah. When you decided to combine your names, Christina Hobbs and Lauren Billings into Christina Lauren, why did you do that? Um, it was actually our agent, Holly Root's idea. Mm, um, sometimes people don't want to pick up co-written books because they think it's going to feel disjointed mm -hmm. or you're going to be able to tell where one starts and one stops. But the great thing about being Christina Lauren is that we've created this thing together. Everything we do, you know, when people want to know if we fight and stuff, nothing we do is for Lauren or for mm -hmm. Christina. Mm -hmm. It's all for Christina Lauren, who mm -hmm. is this, you know, sort of make-believe person. Um, so there's no ego involved there, but it's also kind of great if there's a bad review or something, you can be like, yeah, I don't know who that Christina Lauren is. <laughs> very very <laughs> She's smart. She's a mess. Very yeah. smart. <laughs> Deflect that blame. Um, and, it's, and it's handy, Lauren, that you have a first name that works as a last name. 
Um, so. Yeah, I mean, we did try Lauren Christina, but that felt a little too soap opera. Yeah. So we went with yeah. Also, sounds like Vicky Christina, the um, the um, the uh, Barcelona. Uh, yeah, Vicky Christina Barcelona. <laughs> that's right. That's the film. Um, so, what are you what are you two working on right now? Well, yeah, you're touring right now, but in theory, what are you working on? <laughs> Uh, so we have a book, well, it's an audio original coming out in August that we did this summer. It's a full cast recording. It's got um, Harry Shum Jr. and Jessica Marie Garcia. And it's sort of a follow-up to our book, The Unhoneymooners. Mm -hmm. um, it's Olive it, and Amy are twin sisters and The Unhoneymooners was uh, about Olive and this is Amy where she sort of goes to Hawaii to kind of crash her sister's wedding. So that comes out August 1st, and then we are drafting right now our book that comes out probably May of 2024. Yeah, I'm glad to see you working with Harry Shum, who I'm, I'm loving having this. He's got a little bit of a career renaissance after being on Glee, yes. and then and then not, and then now he's on Grey's Anatomy and was in Everything Everywhere All at Once. I, mm -hmm. I think he's great. Um, so my guests have been uh, Christina Lauren, who are Christina Hobbs and Lauren Billings, um, writing as Christina Lauren, and they are um, touring their their new book is The True Love Experiment and they're doing the True Love Experiment tour starting uh, tonight in Eastern Mass and they will be at um, the An Unlikely Story um, in Plainville, Mass um, at 7 p.m. tonight and there are still um, overflow seats um, and you can find information on anunlikelystory.com and where else are you going to be reading? We will be in New York tomorrow mm -hmm. at Union Square Barnes and Noble and then we head down to Tampa and then we sort of go on from there to a bunch of different cities. But um, we are easy to find online. Our Instagram is at Christina Lauren and that's where we're most active. So we'd love to see readers on there. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time. Um, I'm glad we were able to work yes, this out and you. to talk to and the should, both of you. And should I sign off saying this is Bill Buzz? Yes, there you is go. That, That's your new name. This is Bill Buzz. Bill. Bill Buzz. That's a horrible idea, Buzz. That's a horrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Buzz Dan. We get along very well. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you. And thank you, Megan. And thank, thank you, you, listeners, for joining us. Remember, don't just talk the talk. Walk the walk. For some kids, home isn't a safe place. And in these times, access to trusted adults like teachers and counselors is limited. I'm Kara McElhone, Executive Director of the Children's Advocacy Center of Hampshire County. Our mission is to prevent and end child abuse in our community by providing safety, healing, and justice. The Children's Advocacy Center is open in providing resources to children and caregivers throughout Hampshire County. Please visit us online at cachampshire.org or call 413-570-598. Hi, this is Tom from 4-H. What will the next 100 years look like for today's youth? According to the 4-H members of Hampshire counties, there are no limits. Youth, supported by adult 4-H club leaders, are being prepared to take on any role they can imagine. Astronaut, director, hockey player, surgeon, engineer, and CEO. These are just some of the roles that a recent survey shows that our 4-Hers not only dream about, but are preparing for. Join the 4-H team. Call me, Tom, at 413 545 0611. WHMP Northampton and WRSI HD2 